KYW Original Podcasts. This is KYW In-Depth. My name is Matt Leon. A lot of people have been and continue to work incredibly hard helping others in the midst of this COVID-19 pandemic. That includes thousands of volunteers who make up the Philadelphia Medical Reserve Corps. Now, this is an organization we thought you should know a lot more about, so we wanted to dedicate an entire episode of the podcast to it. Our guest is Katie Free. She is the Assistant Program Manager in the Bioterrorism and Public Health Preparedness Program at the Philadelphia Department of Public health and we have a really interesting conversation and learn all about the philadelphia medical reserve corps tip of the hat to jim garrow with the health department for helping make this episode happen let's get to the conversation good stuff so let's kind of start with a a quick primer the definition talk about the philadelphia medical reserve corps Uh, what's it all about what is it sure so the medical reserve corps is a national effort to bring volunteers together and give them a steady structure for volunteering for public health emergencies. So the Medical Reserve Corps, even though it's called medical, is not just for medical folks. It can be anyone can volunteer with us, but we do have at least half of our core is you know healthcare professionals. And then we have a lot of students who are working towards becoming healthcare professionals. And then we have plenty of people who are just interested in public health and helping during an emergency. So the Medical Reserve Corps on a national level was formed um, after you know, the attacks of September 11th, 2001, to make sure that there was an organizational structure for volunteers and make sure that we were able to know who they were in advance and then be able to you know, give them some training, give them some structure and be able to deploy them to you know, public health emergencies or um, you know, weather emergencies anything like that. So, you know, we in Philadelphia started the Medical Reserve Corps or the MRC in 2005 to really respond to just public health emergencies. And by that, I mean sort of like an anthrax emergency. So if there was, you know, an anthrax release in the city, we would set up medication centers that we call points of dispensing or pods. And we've trained our volunteers for years to be able to staff those and know how to, you know, screen people and give out medication if they needed prophylaxis for anthrax. In 2008 and 9, we really got into more vaccination efforts when uh, H1N1 came about. So we were, you know, training volunteers to do points of dispensing for flu vaccine as well as H1N1 vaccine. So we were working with schools, we were working with city health centers to be able to do that. And following that, we really got invested in um, helping the city with evacuation shelters. So Hurricane Irene, Hurricane Sandy, um, having volunteers provide, you know, acute medical services at evacuation shelters at high schools in Philadelphia. We just sort of started to get our name out there more, really grew during that time. You know, every time we have a big event, it's a good recruitment opportunity for us because people really want to help when there's something hard or terrible happening. So, you know, we've gotten a lot of volunteers from the COVID-19 response but we've also had some good responses that are, you know, not emergencies. When the Pope came, we had volunteer staff medical sites during the, the Democratic National Convention, they staffed medical tents um, down at the Wells Fargo Center. And, you know, those are really exciting opportunities for volunteers. Uh, they were also able to staff medical tents during the Eagles Victory Parade. So that was sort of a reward for some of the volunteers who have worked really hard. And, you know, a lot of the things we do are emergency-based and might be scary, but that's, you know, really rewarding work. They also work at races, at um concerts, so the big Welcome America and um, Made in America concerts on the Parkway. And now, finally, we are, you know, really 
surging what we've done. We do regular trainings and now we have volunteers coming in to do you know, work at the testing sites, support nursing homes, support in hospitals, support our isolation and quarantine facilities, and do you know just all kinds of great work to support the COVID response. I think I know the answer to this, but <laughs> has this pandemic, pre- I am assumed this is by far the biggest, most wide-ranging challenge you guys have ever faced, right? Uh, yes, definitely. I think it's just, there's so many facets to this response. So from, you know, the initial setting up testing sites to, you know, supporting people who are in isolation or quarantine to working with other community-based sites who just need help doing, you know, testing or getting materials out. So, you know, right now we're recruiting volunteers to distribute printed materials to businesses that are reopening, so retail businesses. So they're going to be just walking the city and handing out, you know, signs that say masks required and, giving safety checklists to businesses so that they can reopen safely during the yellow phase and as we move into green. How many people are part of the core? And like maybe have you seen a surge mm-hmm. here during this pandemic? Uh, kind of give us some context for how many people are a part of the organization. Yeah, I would say right now we have almost 5,000 volunteers, We have, which is huge for us. We really, I, think, I would say during H1N1, we had almost 1,000 and now we have almost 5,000. So over time, each event has given us a little bump, but this event has really given us, I think, 2,000 people who were interested in volunteering. So, you know, that's anywhere from students and people who are, you know, working but furloughed. We've had a lot of people reach out because they're not working right now, which is a really unique situation for Philadelphians, and they really want to help. So that's been a big push for people to, you know, try and get involved and feel like they're able to give back, contribute something, and, you know, do something productive with their time right now. And you mentioned earlier, because one of the questions I had was, is this something that is limited to people with a, some sort of medical background or training? And you mm-hmm. said no. So if, if some guy like me who has no particular skill set of any kind, mm-hmm. but wants to help, what would what would be some of the things that I could help with without any kind of medical training? Yeah, Matt, I mean, I'm going to recruit you. So you better sign up by the end of this uh, today. So you could do a wide range of things. And I think for the most part, almost all of our roles, someone who's non-medical could do. So obviously you can't come in and give a vaccine to someone, but you could help us set up a site. You could help us with you know, running of supplies. You could help with distribution of materials. There's a lot of roles at like a, a drive-through testing site, for example, you know, verbally reading the consent and obtaining consent doing data collection, none of that really has to be a clinical role. So the, the only clinicians that we really needed were at the, the actual part where they you know, do the, the swab test for COVID-19. So we had a lot more clinicians than we needed at our testing site, which was awesome because we could give people breaks. You know, they're wearing the personal protective equipment, the masks for quite a while. And um, our, our big site at first was outside. So I think some of the days were hot, some of the days were you know, humid. So people did like having a break and, you know, cause there was obviously no climate control outside. So we were able to rotate people in. And then even the clinicians end up doing a lot of the non-medical, you know, there was traffic control for, you know, walk-up sites. There's definitely registration, there's information, there's, you know, just making sure people are going into the right room and, you know, putting them there. So there's plenty to do for non-medical people at all times. Um, We also, you know, have considered having volunteers help with call center, so answering queries from the public. We haven't done that, but some of the the counties surrounding Philadelphia have brought in MRC volunteers to help with that too. What have you learned? What has the core learned? Because I think there's how to respond to a pandemic in a textbook, and then there's 
real life. How, what have you guys learned? How would you kind of rate, and I don't want to talk about this like it's over, because I think one of the problems we're running into is a lot of people are kind of acting like, oh, well, the worst is past and, and we're going to be good. But what are the challenges? What have you learned? How do you feel about the response to this point? Yeah, this is, like you said, this is definitely not over. We, um, you know, we see a long response in our future, especially with hopefully getting vaccine at some point and using the MRC to really push that out and, you know, do mass vaccination centers like they're trained to do. So I think that, you know, to this point, we have been so impressed with the turnout of MRC volunteers to the point that I think we actually have uh, more volunteers than we can use, which is amazing and probably has never happened before in the history of volunteering. It's just people volunteer out of the goodness of their heart, but they do also have, you know, true responsibilities and those always come first. And we tell them that, you know, you, you work like at a hospital or you're you know, a professor of nursing or you, whatever you do and also taking care of your family and being a caretaker is important too. So I think that the huge, you know, showing of volunteers has been so amazing. And we know that we can really like count on the MRC to do so many different things that we may not have thought of before. And we had never before had volunteers from the MRC go into hospitals. We've been working with hospitals about sort of policies and how we would make that happen. But this pandemic has really been the first time that it's happened. So we've put a few volunteers into, you know, a couple of hospitals and then some long-term care facilities that had some staffing shortages because people were ill. So that's been such a huge learning opportunity for us and great partnership building that we've been able to do. We will keep recruiting volunteers, but we also want to do our best to value the ones that have been with us for over a decade and have given so much of their time and energy and been so dedicated while also making sure we give good opportunities to the, our new volunteers and then, you know, recruiting for the future to get whatever specialized tasks we might need. Have there been any problems? And I just mean, because you can, I think you can run all the drills, you can plan for this, you can (laughs) have seminars, but until you're into it, have there been any problems you didn't anticipate? And if you can share any of them, how you guys, how you guys attack them? Yeah, I think it's just, everything has been new. I mean, we had never done a, you know, a drive-through testing site. We have done, annually, we do drive-through flu vaccine clinics for first responders, but we had never done one, I think, for the public before. So it was just thinking about the whole model and working together with brand new partners who we had never really worked with before, who are amazing. You know, the Pennsylvania Task Force One helped us with setting up the, the drive-through sites and then there's been this, um, this citywide effort to set up isolation and quarantine facilities at hotels in Center City that have been huge learning experience with figuring out who does what, you know, how volunteers can fit in. So they've been offering wellness checks to people who are staying at one of those facilities and able to really give out medication and make sure that they're, they're okay in the rooms you know, for the, the duration of their stay. So that's been you know, a big learning curve, you know, trying to get everyone trained and make sure that we know. But I think you know, sometimes it's every day is something new. So it's always learning something new and trying to figure out on the spot, you know, which city agency or partner might be the best fit for, um, you know, coming in and providing a certain service. So MRC volunteers, you know, we have so many skills there, but trying to match people in the best way has also been just a learning curve for us. I've read a lot of articles that are incredibly depressing of members of the public pushing back against public health people for trying to keep them safe. And I'm just curious, mm-hmm. have there been any, is that something you guys have had to deal with? Like you mentioned going out, giving out pamphlets, stuff like that, or for the most part, do people get it in the Philadelphia area and the response is 
at best, thank you so much, and at worst, just kind of, okay, whatever. You know, uh, have you had any problems with the negative response or anything like that? I think we will be getting to that a little bit more now that we're in yellow and people can start to do more things. I think this morning we were having conversations about restaurant restrictions. So, you know, it will definitely be just trying to get the very solid guidance out and make sure that people really know what six feet looks like. And um, our volunteers will help with that as best that they can. So I think that overall, you know, people have been very kind about receiving information. So, you know, we just hope that people will listen to the, the public health experts and do what, we recommend to make sure that we can continue on the the hill down um, from the, the peak of our cases in April. And you talk about the overwhelming number of volunteers. If people hear this and they want to volunteer now, down the road, how does somebody go about becoming a part of the of the Reserve Medical Corps? Yeah, so we have our, our website is tied to the city website. So it's phila.gov slash MRC. So, you know, that that directs people right to our website to learn how to apply. So we have a volunteer registry. We have uh, an email address, mrc at phila.gov, that takes questions. People can email that. We have a bunch of people right now working on answering all those queries that we receive. We are planning for sort of virtual trainings to happen in um, throughout this summer because we know we have so many new volunteers that don't. Um, that came on for COVID and don't know our overall mission, which is, you know, general public health preparedness, personal preparedness, and also mass prophylaxis, and just, you know, and mass care for, you know, weather emergencies, which, you know, we might have this summer. So we have to think about that and planning with city partners for that, too. So we're going to be rolling out some more virtual training so that people can get onboarded and, um, you know, not just get placed and just show up. So that I think that that will make things a little bit smoother. We just have had, um, you know, some staffing shortages because we're all working so hard on this. So we we are sort of regrouping and making sure that we can do that and offer some great trainings. Looking whenever the pandemic is over, are there exercises, things you've learned here that you might see become part of the fabric of what the core does going forward, even without COVID-19 being in the equation? Are, are there things you think that, hey, you know what, this really is a service that has proven beneficial here, and it probably still would be going forward. Yeah, I definitely think that volunteers can be positioned to go into hospitals and, you know, other long, long-term long care facilities. So that includes, you know, nursing homes. I think that they, our volunteers haven't gone into those sites. And I, so I think that, you know, we'll do more planning with the, our healthcare coalition in the Southeast Pennsylvania area and make sure that, you know, we have policies in place and really offer that to our volunteers. I think that that's something that you know, whenever they have a surge event, like a weather emergency, they may need more staff. Or if there's some sort of, you know, mass casualty event, they would need some extra staff. I think that our volunteers could definitely play a role in that. And also just these sort of community-based events. You know, we, in the past, we've had volunteers go out to health fairs. And so that's, you know, right now there's no in-person health fairs, but I think that other ways of getting our volunteers to do sort of, you know, bringing information back to their own communities or their own workplaces has been a new initiative for us, and I think we'll, we'll continue to do that, too. That's it for this episode of KYW In-Depth Coronavirus. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic here in the Philadelphia area, or if you want to know how what you see or hear on the news is going to change your own life or your own routine, then subscribe to the KYW In-Depth podcast. 
Search for KYW In-Depth on the Radio.com app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. My name is Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.